Welcome in. Welcome aboard. Seth Goldberg with you here. Another edition of a show to be named later. Thanks for joining us. Where'd you find us? iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, wherever it was. Thanks for joining us. We got some NBA talk coming up on the podcast today. We'll talk about the NBA finals coming up in a little bit. The Warriors just managed to kind of get the job done the other night. Things are looking pretty good for them as they move forward, even with some of these injuries. So I'll, I'll have my thoughts on that towards the end of the podcast. But first, we will head to ESPN analyst and new author Kirk Goldsberry. His new book, Sprawl Ball, out now. Get it on Amazon. Does a great job of telling you kind of how the NBA got to where it is and, and the three-point revolution and, and how to change things moving forward. Kirk is a really interesting NBA analyst. Some awesome shooting maps and, and things like that. Uh, check him out on ESPN and ESPN.com. And why don't we get right to him? We'll talk finals. We'll talk about his book coming up here on a show to be named later. All right, and as promised, now we are joined by ESPN's Kirk Goldsberry. He's got a really interesting book uh, that is just out called Sprawl Ball, talking about the changes going on in the NBA. Definitely want to get to that with him. Uh, but Kirk, let's start with the NBA Finals here. And and I guess the dominating story has been injuries, mostly for the Golden State Warriors and, and Kawhi. It looks like he's limping a bit. Um, is there another team, though, and I guess we'll start here. Is there another team that you can think of, even in recent NBA history here that could kind of sustain some of these injuries the Warriors have had and, and keep on ticking and even win a finals game? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think when the Spurs were at their deepest, they could have, uh, but we never really saw that. I remember in 2017, they went in and beat Harden's Rockets without Kawhi Leonard and Tony Parker. Uh, but yeah, I think this is an incredibly deep Warriors team. And I think it's fair to say that very few teams in our league's history could have survived some of these huge injuries that they're currently surviving. You know, when you look at what happened in, in game two, and, and it seems like that performance by Boogie Cousins really stands out as, as the bounce back. What'd you make of that? And is that something that you could see Boogie doing again, given his injury history this year? Yeah, I mean, one of the craziest things, you just alluded to it, is this team is so deep. I mean, they have an all-NBA player who is playing 10 minutes a game, and it's a big deal when he comes out and plays 27 minutes and, and has a decent performance. Um, you know, a few years ago, that's exactly what we would have expected from uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a luxury. It's an embarrassment of riches. But for me, the, the, the game two difference really falls on one thing, and that's Toronto and their inability to make shots. They, they just, Golden State scored 109 points both games, um, but, but one, one game Toronto scored 118, the other game they scored 104, and the big difference was jump shooting, jump shooting, and jump shooting. Toronto was great uh, shooting the ball in game one and terrible uh, in shooting the ball in game two. I have a big piece about that on ESPN right now. Yeah, it's interesting to watch, and it seems like one of the big guys in that kind of shift was Pascal Siakam, and he played so well in Game 1. In Game 2, he didn't play up to that level, and it really hurt the Raptors. The dude was incredible, and as incredible as he was in Game 2, he was bad in Game or in game 1. He was incredible in Game 2, he was bad. He was 14 of 17 with 32 points uh, in Game 1, and then 5 of 18 with 12 points in game two, including an atrocious one of 11 outside of the restricted area. So we're talking about a guy that was hot 
and then cold, and then sort of Toronto sort of fell in line with, with him in general. And they, they were 6 of 26 in the mid-range, 23%. Um, they were getting shots. They just weren't making shots. And another crazy stat is they went 5 of 6 on uncontested threes game one uh, and 3 of 10 in game two. So they were getting actually more open looks from the three-point line in game two. They just weren't making them. So for me watching game three, the biggest thing to watch is Toronto people like Danny Green, Pascal Siakam, Kawhi Leonard, um, Fred Van Fleet, are these dudes going to make their shots? Because that's been the biggest difference in this series. When they did, they won. When they didn't, they lost. You know, when you look at those numbers, is is that regression to the mean? Is that something that you, you know, the way you look at the game, is that something that you buy into? Yeah, I mean, to a degree. I mean, every game's independent, so it's not it's not necessarily regression to the mean. But, you know, the, the, the numbers we saw in game one, particularly from Siakam, were just not sustainable. The dude's not going to go 14 of 17 ever again in a finals game. That was one of the best finals debuts we've ever seen. Um, so... But also, you know, Kawhi has yet to have a good game in this series. Kyle Lowry has yet to have a good game. So if you're a believer in, quote-unquote, regression to the mean, then, then you would expect some at some point in this series Kawhi and Kyle to really have a good game. Yeah. Uh, similarly, Steph Curry hasn't had a great game. So there's, there's, there, there's going to be some, some big performances coming up, and I would expect Kawhi to have one and Steph to have one before this thing's done. You know, I certainly wanted to ask you about Kyle Lowry, and you mentioned him. He he seems to have this rap of a you know not not a good postseason player, and he certainly has games where he, where he has you know disappeared. But I look at the numbers, and they're not all that far off from his regular season numbers as far as the averages go. What do you make of that rep that he has earned uh, over the course of his playoff career, and is it fair or not? To a degree, it's fair. I mean, this is a team that before this year had some embarrassing uh, playoff losses. They'd be the first to admit they had very disappointing postseason performances. Uh, but you're right, Kyle Lowry's a 14, 15 point a game guy. He always is. Where I look for Lowry's numbers is the assists, uh, and he had two in game two, and that's not good enough. Kyle is the is is the straw that stirs the Raptors' drink. He's the guy who creates shots for his teammates on the edge. Um, and in game two, he was very disappointing. He had three times as many personal fouls as he did assists. So he was disqualified with his sixth foul um, in, the, in the fourth quarter. Uh, couldn't play down the stretch. Um, and that was key because, I mean, it was, it was a two-point game at the very end before he hit his shots. And to not have your starting point guard out there because of six fouls uh, is a huge deal. So I think Lowry deserves some uh, blame for that loss in game two because he wasn't uh, disciplined on defense, had a lot of stupid fouls, and wasn't getting his, his teammates the assists they needed. We're talking with Kirk Goldsberry, ESPN analyst here on the show. And and Kirk, uh, last thing I wanted to get to with the NBA Finals is Kawhi Leonard. And, and he's done so much this postseason um, and, and really put this team on his back to get them to the NBA Finals and to this point, uh, what do you make of his play? And, and is this really Kawhi, you know, coming out again and, and reestablishing just how great he was before that that year last year that was marred by injury and and whatever else was going on in San Antonio? Well, you know, as somebody who's watched Kawhi very closely for years, this is exactly who he is. He's, he's one of the top three players in the NBA. He's a force on defense. I mean, his defense was probably the thing that won that series against Milwaukee. Uh, and then his offense has been particularly very good, too. So, you know, at, when Kawhi's healthy, simply put, he's one of the best two-way players on the planet um, and a luxury that any team would take uh, come playoff time. And I think you know, his presence has, has turned the Raptors um, from sort of a, a playoff laughing stock to a legitimate uh, title contender. Um, so he, he's fantastic. And obviously, you mentioned his injuries. 
if he can stay healthy, there's no reason that this guy can't uh, be the best player on a championship team. So you mentioned your time with uh, you're watching Kawhi closely and you were working for the Spurs. And so before we dive fully into the book, how does this path go? You were teaching at Harvard, you work at Grantland ESPN, you go to the Spurs, you're back at ESPN. How does this story go? Uh, well, the short answer is it all starts with basketball analytics and my ability to sort of blend data visualization and basketball data to help people understand um, shooting performances. So I, that took me from uh, Harvard to ESPN and Grantland back to the uh, San Antonio Spurs and Team USA basketball and now back at ESPN. So I love mapping and I love basketball. So if, if you follow my work, uh, whether it's the book or my articles on ESPN.com, you see a lot of data visualization, a lot of charts. Um, and that all has come together and brought me to some incredible places, including the Spurs. Yeah, I certainly love these maps and these charts that you put out as far as what the shooting percentages look like. And looking at one of them earlier, Kirk, that you had in the excerpt for the book, um, the idea that the two most valuable shots are the one that's right under the rim and the corner three, and those are the most valuable, um, it seems like, and certainly in your work this is pointed out, the NBA is, is so much moving towards that. And I know you laid out a couple of solutions and, and kind of ways to maybe change the game in that regard. Do you think that the NBA is, is going to look into measures as they always adapt and change to, to kind of say, hey, maybe we should get away from corner threes or or get away from some of this three-point shooting that um, is so prevalent today? I hope so, because I think the, the shot, maybe not right now, but it's sort of heading towards a way where it's too central to the game. And it's the most important skill in the game is long-range shooting. Uh, and we're seeing less and less mid-range activity. We're seeing less post-play uh, we're seeing fewer fadeaways, these things that a lot of us grew up with. I don't think a lot of people are realizing how fast they're just uh, going away. Um, and, and, and some of these three-point shots are beautiful. I think the three-point line has been a marvelous addition to the play, playing surface. But I, I, I ask in Sprawl Ball, my book, is, is do we really want to see a league where over half of our shots are three-point shots? Because that's where this is heading. Um, so even if you like the way the game looks right now, which I do, I think that year-over-year trends are so alarming, and that's a point I try to make in the book, that maybe it's time to consider some changes. I think it's really interesting, and I know you lay some out, some of these out in the book. I remember hearing on a, on a podcast you did with Zach Lowe the idea of a three-second violation in the corner. I brought that up on the show, and I, I was like, and, and around the office, I was like told I was crazy. Is, is, that, is that something you think might actually happen or, or no? Well, you're not crazy because... Three seconds, a defense of three seconds didn't exist until 2004. So, like, if, if you think rule changes are crazy, you think the NBA is crazy because goaltending was legal before it wasn't. Uh, the three-point line didn't exist. Um, you know, hand-checking was legal before it wasn't. This is, a, this is a league that has made big, bold changes over and over again. And if you love the product right now, you have these big changes to thank. And I love it. I just think, yeah, we're heading to a place where I think we can make these shots a little more difficult for some of the specialists because right now the margins are just too big to ignore, and that's why we're shooting so many threes. So I don't think you're crazy. I think some of these ideas are, are, are silly, uh, and some of them certainly won't be adopted. Uh, but I think if the league really wants to sustain diversity in tactics, which is what makes basketball so special, I think they're going to have to consider something um, to restore uh, some diversity in the game. He's Kirk Goldsberry, ESPN analyst, the new book Sprawl Ball, out now. Kirk, I am uh, looking forward to getting into this book and, and really reading it. Love your work on ESPN.com and ESPN. Keep it up, and uh, thanks for coming on today. Hey, this Sprawl Ball is just $15 right now on Amazon. I have to plug that because it's the best Father's Day gift for anybody, uh, all the dads out there that love hoops, 
maps, graphics, anything like that. So go grab a copy for the dad in your life that loves basketball. I appreciate you having me on. Sounds like a great Father's Day gift. Thanks again, Kirk. Yes, sir. Thank you. So thanks again to Kirk Goldsberry for joining us here on a show to be named later. The new book, Sprawl Ball, out now, and obviously catch his work on ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com as well. He does some great stuff with with shot charts and and maps of the court. Awesome stuff to look at, and and as I said, cannot wait to really dive in and and get into this book, Sprawl Ball, uh, about the NBA. You know, it's, it's interesting in talking with Kirk looking at some of the factors that have led to where this series is right now. Warriors and Raptors tied up at a game apiece. And I thought the most interesting thing really was was what he said right at the beginning where, yeah, the Warriors you know, played maybe a little bit better in Game 2, but they did the same thing they did offensively in Game 2 that they did in Game 1. And, and really what helped them is that the Raptors shot so well in Game 1, and Pascal Siakam was so incredible in Game 1 that that was so hard to replicate and so hard to come up again in Game 2. And and when you look at this series, as Kirk mentioned, Steph Curry hasn't had a classic Steph Curry game. Kyle Lowry hasn't played well yet. Kawhi Leonard has not played to the level he had in the Eastern Conference Finals and the Eastern Conference Playoffs. So, we could be in for some all-time performances coming up with Steph and Kawhi. Klay Thompson, maybe or maybe not coming back. Kevin Durant, probably coming back at some point, but who knows? Boogie Cousins making his way onto the court and being a really big impact player in that game, too, the other night. It's all things that are adding into this series where, you know, coming in, you didn't know too much about Toronto. You you knew Kawhi Leonard. You know maybe Pascal Siakam. And, and you, you wonder just how good they were. And, and I know a lot of people thought, you know, hey, I can't trust that team because of their history and because of what the Raptors had done uh, over the last couple of years through the postseason and through their playoff runs. But you look at this team this year, and they are a different team. They are a really good team. And you wonder just how far they can push this Warriors team. You know, you watch the team that showed up and played the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals, and, and that's a team, that's a squad that, you know, can push this Warriors team to the brink. Maybe even, you know, beyond the brink. Even if healthy, I think. But right now, something looked a little off in that game, too. And maybe it's that Pascal Siakam wasn't shooting quite as well. Maybe it is that Kawhi Leonard is a little bit banged up after his battle with Giannis in the Eastern Conference Finals. Whatever it is, something looks a little bit off. Something looks a little bit different. And we all know about the other side. We all know what's happening with the Warriors right now. We all know Kevin Durant is out. We all know DeMarcus Cousins is having his injury issues. And we all know Clay Thompson right now is questionable, doubtful for these games moving forward. At least game three. And so you have to wonder where the Warriors are as a team, where they are head headwise, right? Mentally. Given that they've just had so much attrition, Kevon Looney going out, and on and on down the list. Andre Iguodala hurt. But the thing that really is amazing to me, and I hit on this with Kirk a little bit. The fact that that Warriors team, even given all their injuries, is still really good 
The fact that that Warriors team, even given all their injuries, is able to hold on and win an NBA Finals game is something that is truly remarkable to me. You watch them the other night, and there was never you know, a sense of panic. There was never a, a sense of worry in the Warriors. They went, what, five minutes or, or nearly five minutes without making a field goal towards the end of that game? Before Andre Iguodala hit a three, a big dagger three at the end of that game. And there was kind of a feeling of, you know what, been there, done that. Steph Curry, been there, done that. Andre Iguodala, been there, done that. We've all done this before. We've all hit big shots before. We've all made big plays when we've had to. And maybe DeMarcus Cousins hasn't. Maybe Quinn Cook hasn't. But it kind of rubs off on them. When you've got so many guys who have been through so many wars, who have been through so many battles, who have done this so many times, it seems almost like that rubs off on everybody else. There's a sense of confidence in, you know, the rest of the team. Hey, Clay Thompson went down. All right, Quinn Cook, you're going to take those shots. And you know what? You better... Take those shots. You better shoot those shots when the ball comes around to you. You better not stop. You better not, you know, hesitate. You better not think twice. Because you've got to take that shot. Just like Clay Thompson would have. Andre Iguodala, those guys are sagging off and, and leaving you so wide open. Take that shot. Same with Draymond Green. And you see this confidence from this team. And again, can they win a series in the state that they're in right now? I don't know. Can they win this series if Clay Thompson, for some reason, does not come back? If Kevin Durant, for some reason, does not come back? If DeMarcus Cousins has another issue and Andre Gudala is hobbled, can they win this series if all of those things are happening? I mean, probably not, right? Probably not. And yet they managed to hold on to that game the other night. They managed to push ahead in that game the other night and get an NBA Finals win. They weathered the storm. And it's pretty remarkable. It's not something that feels normal. It's not something that feels like it's supposed to happen. You look at teams and say, oh, well, you know what? Two of their best four players got hurt. Two of their best three players got hurt. That team's not supposed to go to the NBA Finals. That team's not supposed to sweep the Western Conference Finals with their second best player hurt. And just kind of continue rolling. That team's not supposed to be 7-1 and one without their second best player and maybe a top, what, 3-5 to five player in the league? That's not how sports are supposed to work. That's not how things are supposed to go in this sports world that we live in. You're supposed to get hurt when your team suffers injuries. It's supposed to be detrimental to your team's performance. And yet here are the Golden State Warriors weathering the storm and they just keep on rolling. So you know what? Three years ago in 2016, the Warriors, they go for 73 wins. They get it. They roll to the NBA Finals. They they come back against Oklahoma City 
from down 3-1, and they win that series. They go up 3-1 against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And I was adamant they were going to win the finals. I never backed off. I said, you know what? 73 in a title. I've been saying it all season long. And they ended up losing. But I stayed with that team because I had seen what they did the year before. I had seen what they did that entire season. And I said, you know what? There's no way this team loses. And I feel that way again now. I really do. I watch this team and I say there is something about this Warriors team. There is something about a championship pedigree. There is something about being there and doing that that I don't think you can replicate. Toronto's got a great team. Kawhi Leonard is a top five player in the game. And this series really has been, in this playoffs I should say, really has been him reestablishing that value and that place in the game. And that can't be understated. He's been there before. Serge Ibaka, now it's been a while for Serge, but he's been there before. And who else? Marcus Gasol never made a playoff run. Kyle Lowry sure never made a playoff run. Pascal Siakam is playing in his first real playoff run. So I will say again, I think there's something to be said for been there, done that. And the Warriors hold that. Even with their injuries, even with Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson out, and Andre Iguodala hobbled, and DeMarcus Cousins hurt, but playing, even with all those factors, it feels like they know what to do. It feels like they know how to adjust, how to change, how to go about doing this. And it rubs off on everybody else. You know what? Steph is playing in his fifth straight NBA Finals. So is Andre Iguodala. So is Draymond Green. So is Sean Livingston. And at some point, that confidence that, hey, we've been here before, has to rub off. Even on somebody like Quinn Cook, who maybe was only on the team last year, didn't play all that much in the NBA Finals. Hey, we need you for big minutes. Jordan Bell, hey, you need big minutes. And uh, Andrew Bogut, who is just kind of washed up ashore in, in Oakland midseason. Hey, we need big minutes out of you. He's been there. He's done that. He gets it. I think there's something to be said for that. I think there's something to be said for the playoff experience when things like this happen. And right now, I think that's making all the difference in the world. The Warriors are able to weather this storm of injuries, of absences, because of their experience, because they've been there, because they've gone to five straight NBA Finals. That's a big deal. Should not be discounted. So that is going to do it for us today here on a show to be named later. Thanks again to Kirk Goldsberry from ESPN. Also a new author. He's got Sprawl Ball out now talking about the modern NBA, the three-point revolution. Really enjoyed talking with Kirk. Really enjoyed his work, so check it out. And check out the new book as well. Thank you for listening, for sticking around. If you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, wherever you are listening. Thanks for joining us. Follow me on Twitter at Seth Goldberg 17 
on Facebook as well. Seth Goldberg Sports will post these podcasts there as soon as you get them. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, review. Get these podcasts loaded straight to your phone each and every time we post one. That way you don't have to keep visiting the Twitter feed and, and, and worry that you missed it. Just get delivered straight to your phone each and every time. Uh, we'll talk again soon here on a show to be named later.